Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Welcome. This is the third in a series called Established. The vocal scripture is found in Matthew 6, 9-13. Here is Pastor Mark Heshkin with today's message entitled, Talking with God. Stay tuned to the end. All right, we are going to be reading out of the Gospel of Matthew this morning, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. So this morning, uh, my granddaughter's not here, Cohen, and, and all the women will be able to pay attention today because last week they were all watching her <laughs> as, she was as she was cooing and making noises. <clears throat> but I'm okay with that, actually. As Brother Chris already said, welcome to welcome in welcome. We're thankful that you're here. We're glad that our, that our online uh, family is watching also. Um, and we're blessed by, by all of you here visiting with us today. We're in our third week of our um, series called Established. We've been talking about how to get rooted and, and established in the love of God. In the first week, we talked about knowing God, but how we could get, uh, get to know Him better, let Him get to know us better. Last week, we talked about how we hear God and the ways we were able to do that. And today, as you already figured out, we're going to talk about how we speak to God, how we talk to Him. And of course, that means prayer, right? And prayer is what? It's, it's simply a communication with God. That's our way to talk to Him. It's a conversation with the Almighty. Life is about knowing God and walking with God. So when you read your Bible, that's about being with God. When we pray, that's also about being with God. But why are so many people intimidated by prayer? Probably because we have a misunderstanding of, of what it is and, and what God expects and how it should look. What better way to talk about prayer than, than looking at the example that Jesus himself gave us in the sixth chapter of Matthew? Let's read together. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. God's word says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that is an example that God gives us. There are people that pray that every day. And I'm not condemning that. It's a, it's a good prayer. Jesus prayed it, right? But it's, it's, a, it's a blueprint of how we should pray. It tells us, you know, who do we talk to? The Father. 
So we're going to talk about the principles of prayer. And I want to give you three big thoughts that we can talk about about prayer. Uh, the first thought being that, that we need to be with the Father. When you pray, you need to focus on being with God, with our Holy Father, with our Heavenly Father. Notice that word with again. Prayer is about being with God. That's what it's about. It's taking our time, clearing our head and our heart, and being with Him, giving ourselves over. When the, talk, the Bible talks about prayer in the New Testament, it, it's talking about being involved in a loving relationship. And it, it, we, as, as Jesus' followers, when we think about prayer, we're not supposed to think about it as a religious transaction. You know, we're not talking about doing it, you know, because we have to pray. I'm going to pray because i got to pray. If you pray and you don't mean it, do you think it means anything to God? Think about being with your heavenly Father who loves you when you pray. Again, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, here he is, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, right? And he says to his disciples, this is how you pray. He doesn't say, pray this. This is not the prayer. He says, this is how you pray. This is how you should do it. This is an example the first part of the verse, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. He starts and he says, Then this is how you should pray, our Father which art in heaven. Jesus says, When you pray, we need to focus on who? We're talking to our Father in heaven. Focus on the Father. Most of us have heard the Lord's Prayer, right? I hope everybody here has. And if you haven't, it's no judgment. But it's good to memorize. It's okay to say it. Our Father who is in heaven, and then what's he say? Where? Hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? Revered, holy. When jo but when Jesus told these people to pray our Father, it was kind of shocking to them. And in fact, many of them uh, it was offensive to that kind of talk at that point in time were the reasons why Jesus was arrested and they crucified him. See, Jesus, humanly speaking, wasn't crucified because of, of what he did. He was crucified because of who he said he was. He said, I'm the Son of God. I and the Father are one. Jesus is telling his father, I'm the child of God. I'm the only begotten son of God. I and the father are one. He's telling these, these Hebrews, these, these Israelites, these Jews. He's saying in here, if you put your faith in me, you too can call God your father. And become his child. Now up to this point. For these people. You wouldn't even say God's name. Because it was too holy. In the Old Testament. The primary name of God in the Old Testament. Was Yahweh. When the scribes were writing in the Old Testament. When they were supposed to write the name of God. 
they would put a symbol instead of writing God's name because God, Yahweh was too holy to write. Now all of a sudden you had this, this son of a Jewish carpenter. who He was gaining this large following of people. He's a rabbi. And he calls God Father. And more than that, he says, if you believe in me, trust in me, you too can become a child of God. And you too can call the Almighty, Most Holy Father, Daddy as well. So everybody was shocked when he was saying that. But for us, if we're a follower of, of Christ, Jesus is, is, is telling us exactly where we should be, right? Prayer is not a religious transaction. It's a loving relationship between you and your Heavenly Father. That's what prayer is. Why do we make it so hard? Why are we afraid of it? It's just a conversation. Now, when most of us think about our relationship with God, we don't think about it with the right mindset. We don't understand what Jesus actually gave us. In fact, most of the time, for most people, even if you come to church regularly, you have a misunderstanding of what it means to be in a relationship with God. Most of us think the relationship with God is, is about our performance. Don't you think that? I'm going to do my best today. I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say I'm going to do my best. Dang it, I messed up. We think that God is looking for our performance. And of course, with performance, there comes punishment or reward, right? God is either going to punish me or he's going to reward me based on how my scorecard ended up today. Isn't that how we think? I wasn't too bad today. I'm saying my prayers. Yeah. I kept my tongue when, I, when I'm supposed to. I didn't say the things I wanted to. I was, you know, I read my Bible twice, even if it was only two words. I did, I did my stuff. God's going to be happy with me today. We go through and we go, oh, oh I, did a, I did good this week. God is going to bless me big time. Or you go, man, I really messed up. Am I in trouble? I don't know what's going to happen. But God's not happy with me, I'm sure. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, this then is how you should pray. He didn't say you should pray to the master. He didn't say that you should pray to the owner, did he? Even though, indeed, God is our master and our owner, right? But Jesus says we ought to have a loving relationship with God. Like a father and a child. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray our who? Father. Our Father. I don't know. I mean, when we think about how, how mighty God is, if we, if we didn't have the New Testament, and all we had was the Old Testament, 
Could you pray our Father in heaven? See, because everybody thinks that God was angry in the Old Testament. He was always mad. It's not, it's not the case, by the way. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today. When we have relationships, when we're uh, us as parents, there's training, right? We have to train our kids, right? I hope you guys all say yes. We have to train, but there's also discipline. Not so much anymore, right, school teachers? But it's not about punishment or reward. And it shouldn't be. It's about wanting to have this loving relationship with our children so they're going to trust us. And that we can prepare them for the light that's going to come, right? As they grow older. And that's how our Heavenly Father loves us. He wants us to have this trusting relationship with you and I and Him. Do you really trust God as your Father? Really, do you trust Him? That's a big question because there's many of you in here today in, in churches sitting in this morning where, where there isn't that trust. We say the words. But when, when it comes to rubber hitting the road, we want to trust ourselves first instead of God. Jesus says, when you pray, focus on the Father. Now, I understand that for some of us, when we, when we talk about Father, our relationship with our earthly Father might not have been good, right? That might affect our ability to look at somebody else as, as a fatherly figure. You know, maybe your earthly Father was performance-oriented. Maybe it was punishment versus reward and not a lot of love. Maybe your earthly father did some terrible things to you. Or there could be some other event where you have trouble looking at somebody else like a father. Now, if you're challenged in, in, in calling God father, here's what I encourage you to do. Call God Jesus. Jesus literally called him. And that was Abba. And Abba is, is, is a, a term of endearment that means daddy. Literally translated as daddy. Now you can say Abba if you had trouble calling somebody father because, because you probably, if you had that relationship with your dad, you probably didn't call your, da your, your father daddy. So when you think of Abba, Think of God. Think about everything that you wish that your earthly father would have been. Your heavenly Abba loves you far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. He sent his son to die on a cross for us. That we might be able to tabernacle with him in heaven forever. He cares for you. 
He wants this wondrous, loving exchange with you. He wants that relationship with you. That's why Jesus died on the cross and rose again. It's not about punishment. It's not about reward. Why? Because Jesus took care of that punishment and that reward on the cross. Amen? Jesus absorbed all the punishment that you and I deserve on that cross. He covered all our sin for all time. And then, of course, three days later, he rose again. He conquered death and hell and the grave, not just for him, but for all of us. When he said yes to Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, he took all of our punishment onto himself. And guess what we get? We get what he deserved imparted upon us. We get heaven. We get eternal life when we accept Christ. And that's the, the, the great news, right? The good news of, of great joy for all people. What God wants with us, our heavenly Abba, is that personal relationship. How many of you here can say that you have a personal relationship with God? Understand that a personal relationship is not one where you're doing all the talking. Because that ain't no relationship. So be with your father when you pray. Number two, be yourself. Oh my gosh, why do we want to be something that we're not? I played that game for, for, for a good part of my life, to be honest. It's tiring. It's stupid. And God knows who you really are. We have to be honest. We can't try to fake it with God. God cannot have a relationship with who you're pretending to be. Does that make sense? Because that person doesn't exist. You should be yourself with God. Jesus taught that we're to become more like little children. Not childish, because that's immaturity but more childlike. Realize that's how God created Adam and Eve. The Bible tells us that they were naked and unashamed. Brothers and sisters, it's impossible for us to disappoint God as a follower of Jesus. Disappointment is all about unmet expectations, isn't it? Isn't that how we get disappointed? Things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. They didn't react the way I wanted them to react. My hair didn't grow in the way I wanted it to grow in. That's what it's about. 
Meaning, when you're disappointed in somebody, that means you what? Expected one thing and got another. Brothers and sisters, we know this already, but God knows all of our sins. He knows what we've done, what we're currently doing, and what we haven't done yet, but are going to. He knows. He transcends time. 2,000 years before we ever existed, God made a way for us through Christ. Amen. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You ought to write that verse down. Just so you remember that God's relationship trans, transcended the moment, way before you ever drew your breath. That God was thinking of you then. When we were yet sinners, Jesus had died for us. That means that God knew all our sins for all time and made a way for us in Christ. How can we disappoint somebody that knows what we're going to do? Right? Think about it. How can we disappoint God when he already knows the outcome? Yet we're like, oh man, I messed up. Do you really think that God is going, are you kidding me? Really? You really just did that? I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you did that. I don't think that ever crossed God's mind at all for anything in my life. He knew and knows what we're done, what we're going to do. He made a way for us in Jesus. And the Bible actually teaches this to us in, uh, in, that, as children of God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, the second part of verse 5 says... And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. To be proud, to be dishonest, to not be authentic is to be in opposition to God. Because God opposes the proud. But gives grace to those with humility. See, when we're trying to be somebody that we're not, that's pride, isn't it? It is. When I was when I was a young man, when I was a teenager, I guess, you know, all my friends, a lot of my friends were played in bands and stuff like that. I always wanted to play, play in a band. So, you know, went away to college and people were talking about instruments. Oh, yeah, I used to play the drums. Yeah, I know what they look like. I even walked around with a drumstick in my back pocket once or twice. How stupid. I can't play a tom-tom, never mind a set of drums. That's pride. That's trying to be somebody that, that you're not. Verse 6 and 7 
chapter 5. And 1 Peter says, humble yourselves therefore. Now, the biblical definition of humility is having an accurate estimate of one's worth. I love that. An accurate estimate of one's worth means you know who you really are. And you act like it. Pride is about pretending. Humility is about reality. It means not faking it. It means being real. And that's what God wants us to be, is he wants us to get real. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. It's a relationship. Do you see that? He cares for us. He's telling us how to be there, to be humble. The only way that we can experience the real love of God is to be courageous enough to be the real you. And I know that scares us. Because the real us is that person that's in the house by ourselves when nobody else is around. The way we act, the way we think, that's who we really are. And if we think about that person right now, it scares us. Because we ain't so godly when we, when we look at ourselves that way. Be yourself when you talk to God. You can't have a poker face with God. He knows what's in your hand. Don't fake it. He can't love you who, who you're pretending to be. Because that person doesn't exist. You need to talk to them about your thoughts. Talk to them about your feelings. Express your gratitude, your joy, your anger, your frustrations. Be real. See, he knows it all. But you know what's wonderful is that he can handle it. He'll never get tired of listening to you. For some, this might be what you need to hear today. But maybe you might have to have a Lieutenant Dan moment. Do you guys know who Lieutenant Dan is? Anybody watch? <laughs> yep. You, you watch Forrest Gump, right? Lieutenant Dan, his entire family, you know, all died in combat. He figured he was going to die. That was He was going to be honored by dying in combat. Well, that didn't happen, right? Well, that did, near the three quarters of the way through the movie when he hooks back up with Forrest and, and Forrest got that shrimp boat, remember? On the shrimp boat? And they're out in the shrimp boat and, and Lieutenant Dan had, had lost his legs in that explosion, right? Got blown up. Um, was mad at Forrest for saving him. Um, Lieutenant Dan comes to visit him, stays on the shrimp boat with him. Storm comes up out when they're out in the sea. Everybody else is going down, bunkering, you know, hunkering down inside the cabin. Well, not Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan gets up and he climbs up the, the, the mast up to the highest part of the ship. And he has an argument with God. He yells at him, right? He's mad at him. You know, he, this wasn't what he had planned. This is not what, what, how he had, was meant to, to, to live. See, that exchange was a relational exchange. He was having a conversation. He was talking to God. Yes, he was mad. But I love what happens next. 
after the storm it clears and, 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 and in the morning, Forrest Gump comes out onto the, onto the deck of the boat and he sees Lieutenant Dan swimming in the ocean. And he says, I guess Lieutenant Dan made peace with God. See, it's not about what Lieutenant Dan wants. It's not about what any of us want. It's about what God wants for us. It's important to be ourselves, not who we want to be. Thought one was to be with the Father. Thought two was to be, with your, to be yourself. And our final thought today is to invite the Father into everything. Invite him into everything. I find it a little funny that we sometimes think that we can hide things from God. Don't you? Like God could only see the good things that we do. Like we have a way to put a filter up, a screen, so, so he can't really see what's going on all the time. We take that screen down when, when, uh, when we're doing good stuff. We can get those attaboys. We think that if we keep this stuff in the darkest part of our minds and our hearts, that he'll just walk right by like some monster in a, in a movie. He won't even see you. But beloved, we know that's not the case. He knows everything about us. We can't hide anything from him. And I have to tell you, it's not in a control thing. It's not because God wants to control us. That's why we have free will, right? We have the ability to make those stupid mistakes. The reason that he doesn't want us to do wrong things is because he loves us. Because he loves us. He's not trying to bum out our lives. He's trying to bless us because he loves us. And we know that as parents, right? We relate our mistakes to our kids so they don't make the same mistakes. Now, most of them still do because they need to be their mistakes. But we try, and that's what God wants us to do. We don't want them to do wrong, and God doesn't want us to do wrong in the same sense. Invite him into everything, everything, even if it's something that, that, that he's not excited about. Invite him in there so he can redeem he can restore, he can help you repent, and he can heal you from that. Invite him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Praying all day as you go on your way. Do you do that? Now, I'm not just saying, okay, you know, um, Lord, let this be the winning lottery ticket. Lord, don't let my hair fall out anymore. Lord, let me wake up and this extra weight that's around my belly is gone. We pray for things, don't we? We pray, we pray for, for, for stuff like that. 
but do we pray talking to God? And there are moments in life where you need to be alone and focus in prayer, right? Have to. Got to have a little prayer closet or place somewhere where we can do that. But we can pray all day. All day. There's plenty of opportunity to pray. There are times for that, that but the idea here in the passage of Scripture is that is, is we're just praying all the time. You're like, uh, well, you know, I can't drive and bow my head. Thank you. Don't do that. Don't close your eyes. You know? Fold my hands. Get on my knees. You don't have to do that to pray. The posture of your body is not nearly as, as important as the posture of your heart. The idea here is that you're, you're involving God in everything. You want him in everything. You're talking to him about that. I'm in the yogurt section at Safeway. Which yogurt should I want? Lord, help me pick the right yogurt. No. Lord, help me. Help me. Invite him into everything. You're giving him your attention. You should have him on your, your mind at work, at the gym, at the grocery store, in your car, on a plane, when you go to school, when you're at dinner with friends. He should be with you. Invite him with you. Not only is that part of your relationship, but you know what else? You might have somebody else come to the Lord because he's with you and you asked him to be there. And whatever is happening in your life, you pray all day as you go. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to be on your knees and there are moments for that and you know when to do that. Pray as you go on your way. You want to make Prayer, a regular part of your life. You want to involve God in everything. Some of you have been in church, you know, for a long time, and you're like, I know these things. I, you know, we, every time you talk about prayer, you talk about this stuff. But are you doing it? See, knowing something and applying it are totally two different things. Information is not going to change your life. The application of that information changes your life. The goal of our church services is not edutainment. I'm not here just to educate you. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to bring you what the Lord has put on my heart. The goal is that we get God's information from his word. And then we practice it. By using it in our life through application. Because information with application, brothers and sisters, always, always, always leads to transformation. I want to encourage you that these are just some thoughts about prayers. Practice it. The more you do, the more you'll know your heavenly Father. Your heavenly Abba, Daddy, the more you'll be rooted and established in his love. Now, one more quick thought. If you have trouble focusing on God while you pray, 
Try placing a chair in front of you. And pretend that your best friend is sitting in that chair. Pretend that the person that you care about the most, and this should be God, and have a conversation. A conversation. You don't need all them flowery words. Yes, there are people that have beautiful prayers. They use all that nice language. That's not, it's not what God says. It's, that's nice. There's no judgment on that. You know, God has given them the ability to do that. But it's not about that. It's about having a conversation with the person that you care about. Talk. Talk just like you would to your best friend. Because there's, you don't have a better friend than God. If you're driving down the road, he could be in your passenger seat. If you're walking down a path, he could be holding your hand. Make God real in your life. Because, my brothers and sisters, he is real. We don't need to leave him just here in church. He needs to be with us all the time in everything we do. And we need to talk to him. And brothers and sisters, he wants to have a conversation with us. Can we talk to God? We absolutely can. Let's pray. Father, as we finish up today's passage, we think of the prayer that, that Jesus gave us, the example of, of, of how we can pray. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to come to you. And we can only come to you because of the blood of Christ, because he came that we all might have that opportunity. We're thankful for that love. We're thankful for that blood and for that resurrection that gave us a place, a way to you. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters' hearts just open, that they don't make prayer a, a, an ordeal, a duty, that they want to have a conversation with you. Lord, I pray that their hearts are leaned that way. We're thankful for all that you've given us. We thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. All God's children said, amen. Free indeed, amen. amen. Who the son has free, he is free indeed. We all like relationships, right? We all, well, I know there's some you don't like. I understand that. <laughs> but for the most part, we like to have relationships. That's all God wants us to have. Today, we talked about talking to him. We make it so difficult. If our young elementary school kids can stand up here and pray, how come a 30-something or 40-something, a 50-something can't do the same thing? 
at your own house and have a conversation with God. Is God that big? Does he scare you that much? Because if, if he does, that's wrong. Because he's your daddy. Sometimes daddies are scary. But for the most part, all they want is the best from you, of you, for you, and they love you. And that's what God wants for us. So your challenge this week, pray as you go. Pray as you go. We all have these blank times in our lives, in our day, where we're driving down and we're walking and we're just like blankly staring at nothing. We're not thinking about anything. What a wonderful time to take and speak to your father. Hey, Dad, I'm doing all right. It's good. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. That's all he wants. He wants to have a conversation with you. And he can't do it by himself. Can you do that this week? I think you can. God bless you. I thank you for being here. Thank you for, for, for not throwing things. We do hope that you were blessed by the message today. First Baptist Welcome has Sunday worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. Check us out at firstbaptistwelcome.com for all of our services. We are located at 6735 Port Tobacco Road, a.k.a. Route 6 in Welcome, Maryland, if you'd ever want to join us. Come and join the family. We hope you have a blessed time.